0: Hi everyone and welcome back to my podcast. Long time no podcast once again. Um, I apologize for the infrequency at which I post. I've just kind of been doing them whenever I can and whenever I feel like it, which definitely varies from time to time. The last several months have been absolutely nuts with me for doing stuff to expand my business and work on like the bridal releases and other stuff with my online store and the merch store and then along with all the Um, hands-on training that I have to do with client horses every single day. So I'm just wearing a lot of different hats right now and it's been stressful to try to be active online and to actually have like the motivation to put together a good podcast topic and talk about it. And then on top of it, recently some of you might've heard this on the news, British Columbia had some really, really bad flooding from a really bad rainstorm we had over the weekend with like Sunday, Monday being the worst of it. Um, And we got over 150 millimeters of rain, which is about six inches, and some areas got even more than that. So basically what's happened is large portions of the province have massively flooded. Our highways are down and a lot of the highway systems are so damaged that there's really no way to get into the interior of the province from the coast. I live close to the coast. Luckily, I was in one of the less affected areas. However, there were still people within like a five minute drive of me that have had their houses completely flooded to the point where it's like up to their doorways and they would have had severe damage. And also lots of people who've had to move horses out of barns due to flooding. Luckily, I haven't been affected like that but lots of other people have and then like my vet clinic which is about a 30 minute drive from me it's in one of the most affected areas which flooded insanely badly and their entire like first floor of their lab was completely underwater and they had to like rescue like a hundred cows that were in water up to their chest and they literally had to swim the cows out on boats because there was no way to get them out otherwise So it's pretty severe. So if you guys see any reputable charities to donate to, I would recommend checking it out or if you're in the area and you have like extra hay or food or anything for people who might have lost their hay storage or who are struggling right now. not a bad idea to consider helping people. And then also this is just your reminder to consider the facts that like going into the holiday season, there's going to be a lot of businesses that are affected from the floods and other climate change related issues or just other um, issues in the economy from these problems. Like, for example, since all of our highways are down, anything that comes in via truck is probably going to be slowed down. and. Any business that has been even remotely affected by the flooding is probably going to be slower getting your products to you the next few months. So just be considerate of people and remember that some people are dealing with some pretty horrible things and exercise kindness and patience this holiday season if you can. So anyways, today's topic I just wanted to kind of do, I guess it'll kind of go all over the place. The first thing I wanted to start with is... um, The kind of touching on dominance theory, which we've talked about in other podcasts, but mostly going into the lens of people justifying their um, harshness with horses on the basis of how horses in a herd react with each other. And I wanted to go into more detail on this because this is one of the most common excuses I see people say when anyone is criticized for being too rough um for example i made a video criticizing clinton anderson and included clips of some of the roughest stuff i've ever seen anyone do with horses but like definitely some of his worst parts of training just to show like how rough and how confusing and high pressure based his methods are and while a lot of people agreed that he's a bad person and a bad trainer there's also a lot of people who felt the need to defend him and lots of them defended him on the basis of like horses need to learn respect or if you if you don't do this your horses probably walk all over you or just condescending people by being like oh well someone tell them how horses interact in a herd lol idiots and like stuff like that Um, and it's all with the intent to basically try to like shame and humiliate people into agreeing with them which first of all as a tactic I disagree with especially when you're using it on people who are advocating for something that is largely based on kindness. It's not like you're trying to humiliate and degrade people for being bullies to others or for being abusive to their horses. They're trying to do it to the people who were like, hey, like maybe we should step back and consider how angry we get at our horses. Um, So I wanted to talk about the herd mentality with horses. And the first thing that I wanted to talk about is the fact that horses as a species are one of the most neglected and mistreated species out there i would say the average care practices for the horse miss a lot of their vital needs the average horse in like a stabled environment where they are only in a stall or get to go out in a small paddock for just part of the day but spend most of the day in the stall these horses who have to live in this type of situation are generally speaking missing out on at least one of the five basic freedoms of animal welfare which are considered the key markers of good and fair animal practice um or they're missing one of the three f's which for horses are friends forage and freedom so the five freedoms of animal welfare are something that the spca and other humane organizations use as their standard of care um And what the five freedoms are is freedom from fear or distress, freedom from hunger or thirst, um, freedom to express natural behaviors, freedom from discomfort, freedom from pain, injury, disease, and I think I already said freedom to express normal behavior. Um, So generally speaking, as I'm sure you can imagine, these five freedoms are neglected in regular horse living, even from small things like horses who are fed, um, set, hay feedings and don't get enough hay to actually last them throughout the majority of the day they're missing on one of the five freedoms of like feed them from um first of all pain or distress and also freedom from hunger horses who spend hours with an empty stomach are prone to ulcers and stomach upset they also get bored and it's very mentally stressing for them so even just that one thing results in reduced welfare And then on top of this, very, very few horses actually have freedom to express natural behaviors. And what I mean by this is like any stalled horse who cannot interact with other horses readily or even if they can see them through the bars, if they can't mutual groom or if they can't nap with friends if they can't wander out of their stall and go either graze or pick at hay or wander around and get to do horse things they don't have true freedom to express natural behaviors and they don't really have freedom at all even if you're just referencing the three f's for horses And this isn't to make people feel bad about the care that they provide for their horses, just to be realistic. I'm not judging you if you're in like a city and these are the options that you have, but also at the same time, I think as animal owners, we need to be able to look critically at how we care for our animals and be able to recognize where there may be deficits. So if you live in the center of the city, your horse probably can't go out on a hundred acre field, which is totally understandable. However, as an owner it is your responsibility not to belligerently ignore the fact that for a horse it is very very abnormal for them to not first of all be able to socialize with other horses properly and two to basically not be able to move around much at all most of the day especially if their area is so small that they can barely trot or canter and can't really self-exercise or engage with the environment in the way that a horse could in a herd turnout. And, All of these things can result in reduced welfare. So the reason why I bring these things up is the fact that, like, first of all, because horses are so mistreated, there's this phenomenon in the humans around them where we have started to normalize stress behaviors and disorder behaviors so much that people think that they're normal, regular behaviors and they fail to acknowledge signs of stress, fear, pain and so on and so forth Um, it can be so bad to to the point where you can even see people who um, own boarding facilities like this is how I grew up it might not be as bad now people are becoming more educated but I bet people still do this they would refer to stall vices like weaving as like oh they're just dancing and they try to downplay it as something that it's not Um, if you actually ask the person to specifically explain what weaving is they might say like oh it's like a vice. But the point is, like the way that they explain it to like students and people around the farm is like kind of water off a duck's back, lighthearted. They're like, oh, ha, ha. He's just being silly. He's just being quirky. And you see the same thing with people who post videos on TikTok of their horse trying to bite at them when they're doing up the girth, or being aggressive in the stall around feed time, kicking out at people, being reactive when they leave the stall, and just explosive and difficult to handle. And people will just be like, oh, my horse is so stupid, or they're so quirky. They're so this. They're so that. But no, all these are stress behaviors that are seen in more prevalence because of the practices that we've normalized for horses. And all of these things play into how we see horses react in a herd environment, which is this is a long winded way of explaining why using the herd environment as an excuse to like be really harsh and like slap handy, ha- slap happy Clinton Anderson on your horse is a bad idea. So now that we covered that lots of disordered behavior in domesticated horses resulting in people ignoring them. So what does this mean within a herd setting for horses who are turned out in groups? This means that resource guarding behaviors are seen with a much higher prevalence than what you'd ever see in wild horses. People mistake resource guarding behaviors and aggression from frustration or boredom or inadequate space or inadequate number of like feeders, water troughs and, um, too little resources for the numbers of horses sharing it. These behaviors that we see are technically disordered behaviors because you don't see horses in a wild setting interacting and resource guarding as hard as you will see with domesticated horses. And this is because of the fact that like, it's common with domesticated herds to have like one hay station, or even if you have two hay stations, there could be a lot of horses, and then there's a perceived lack of resources to the horses, and they feel the need to protect it and people viewed the protecting of these resources as the horse trying to assert dominance on the other horses when that's never the case. Horses do not seek out a position in the herd for the purpose of dominance, and in a regular healthy herd, the herd hierarchy is fluid. You'll see horses changing roles. The horse who may be brave and the quote-unquote dominant horse in certain situations that people might view as a leader could be a horse who defers to follow another horse in another situation that they're less comfortable. Comfortable in And so on and so forth. The point is the herd dynamic is actually fluid. There is no lead horse. There is no dominant leader. There is no boss. All of these are concepts that humans are projecting onto horses because of what we see. And we're misreading a lot of these signals. Resource guarding is not exerting dominance. The horse isn't resource guarding its friends from hay or even if they're resource guarding other horses from you. They're not doing it for the purpose of trying to one-up the other horses and assert dominance over them. They're doing it because they view you or the food around them as a very reinforcing resource and they feel that other horses being around them puts them in jeopardy of losing said resource because there's a perceived lack of resource. So. This is not dominance. It is being misread when people refer to it as dominance. And now, even still, in a herd setting, even in domestic horse settings, the amount of times that horses actually connect with each other physically and use what humans try to justify using the herd interaction, which is positive punishment, the amount of times that this actually happens are... It's so small in comparison to the amount of tiny little body language warnings and subtle behaviors that the horses show each other. And even with that, a lot of people confuse distance increasing signals as dominance, a horse squealing. And pinning its ears and backing or turning its bum into another horse doesn't mean that they're intending to fight and hurt that horse or that they're even going to kick them. This can be as simple as saying, hey, buddy, you're too close. Get the fuck away from me. And people mistake this as, oh, they're trying to freaking show them who's boss and assert dominance. No, horses most of the time just warn each other. And people don't do that. So even if we're going to try to for a second say that horses can view a human from the the same perspective as they would another horse, humans do not warn and clearly set boundaries for horses in a way that's easy to understand and in a way that is well timed like horses do with each other. When a horse warns another horse, they'll warn them and as soon as the horse has left the distance, they leave it and walk away. Whereas when you're watching trainers like Clinton Anderson, there are numerous videos in which when he's trying to desensitize horses, he'll have them on a long end of the lead rope and then he'll run towards them, chase them away. The horse will move away from him like they're supposed to because they view him as a threat and they're trying to increase distance and they're scared. But then he yanks the rope and pulls them back into him and stuff like that makes no sense. Because you're giving the horse a distance increasing signal and then you're being pissed off at them for not wanting to be near you. And this is why I think that some of the justifications for these really harsh pressure punishment based training methods, like what we see with trainers like Clinton Anderson and like we see in droves on bad training TikTok videos. The problem with this is that they're trying to use herd lingo to justify their training when it literally makes no sense. Even if you could for a second try to copy horse body language almost exactly, the horse is never going to view you as another horse. Horses aren't that stupid, they know you're not another horse so it makes no sense to try to communicate with them like you're a horse and people use that justification as an excuse to be overly rough with their horses and then try to write it off as normal because they saw their horse kick another horse once and the other thing is if you have a horse who's incredibly aggressive to all other horses to the point where they're beating the shit out of them and just being completely aggressive and dangerous Again, this isn't a normal behavior for a horse just because your horse does it. Horses are social animals. And while they might not get along with every single other horse, it is not normal for a horse to be so aggressive that they're not safe to have out with other horses or that they're constantly attacking their field mates. If they are, that's a sign that the environment is inadequate and something needs to be changed. So. Sorry about this 15 minute long winded way of trying to explain that one concept, but I hope that kind of puts it in perspective for people who try to use that excuse because it's not relevant. And I'm making this because I find it so frustrating to have these types of people talk down to someone like me. Um, and unlike other people, like the problem is we have lots of people in the horse world who are experienced horse people who are kind to their horses and want to do the best by them, but are not professionals and probably do not have... The backbone to stand up to some of these assholes that try to humiliate and condescend them for actually using science-based methods and what is proven to be the most effective um so when people come to me and they try to do the same tactic where they try to make me feel small and essentially humiliate and condescend me into giving up and being like oh you're right it pisses me off because i'm more educated than a large portion of the horse population that is selling like these quick fix punishment based mentalities and i actually have a relevant behavioral science education that has rendered me completely unable to use stupid excuses like the whole oh well horses and herds kick each other so it's totally fine for me to like chase my horse down until he's frothing and sweat and hit him with a rope or forcibly lie him down asinine And this is coming from me as someone who has absolutely no problem putting these people in their place and not backing down because I have the education to back my stands, And I'm confident enough in my beliefs that I'm not gonna let someone try to talk down to me. And I wanna make these podcasts because I'm I'm hoping that I'll be able to reach people that may not be quite as belligerent as the type of person that I'm talking about, but who hold these values and might not be completely set in their ways, but are open to listening to a different way. I want to try to explain these ways in a manner that might make sense to people who are otherwise going to be resistant to changing their minds. Um, Another thing is that a lot of these people who follow this training mentality will um, try to condone the use of training tactics like hard tying horses to posts, which we've talked about in detail. So I'm only going to briefly talk about that Um, just for a quick refresher hard tying is like tying a horse in a non breakaway halter to something that they cannot break from so they just pull back violently and if they have a panic response you just have a horse literally freaking out while they're tied to something that won't break and this can cause immense neck damage and damage to the pole it's really really bad um i have a horse in for training right now that i think at some point was hard tied because he has lots of pole sensitivity and head sensitivity and it's been difficult to get him comfortable doing that again and it's just something that's so unnecessary so avoidable so easy to train another way that i think it's dumb the other thing is people will say that for horses who they view to be quote unquote disrespectful they will suggest methods like lying them down um now this isn't as commonly suggested because more and more people are starting to realize that it's fucking stupid but it still is common enough to see people do this as an excuse like as a means of fixing a a particularly difficult or dangerous horse Um, or I've even seen people say that this helps you build trust and a bond with your horse which is ridiculous and this isn't teaching a horse to lay down using like reinforcers it's literally roping one of their legs forcibly laying down and making them stay down and For people who think that that builds trust, I just have one question. If someone fucking broke into your house and hogtied you and then like sat on your chest and just was like, shh easy it's okay don't cry don't be worried and you're like who the fuck are you you just tied me down and you've made me a hostage and now you're sitting on me I can't move I can't get away I don't want you to be this close to me are you going to look at that person and go actually yeah I trust you now no you fucking won't because you got backed into a corner forced into a vulnerable position by someone you do not know well or trust or that you might know but are afraid of and they forced you to stay down until they decide that you get to be free It's literally a hostage situation. There is no situation in which an animal is going to like you better or trust you more if you forcibly detain it and do not let it be free. There is no way, especially if you do it to a flight animal in such a vulnerable position because horses barely ever lay down. They have to lay down for REM sleep but they spend a lot of time standing because as flight animals it's safer. Being laid down is a vulnerable position. They won't lay down in situations where they're not comfortable or where they're stressed or where they feel like they're in danger. So forcibly making a flight animal lay down and stay down so that you can try to assert your perceived dominance over them or try to claim it's how you gain trust it's so stupid it makes absolutely no sense and the reason why your horse is quieter after that is because you forced them to be in such a high stress position that they can't escape from that their only choice is to go into the depressed state called learned helplessness, which is essentially a horrible mental health state where they shut down and stop reacting to the environment in a normal way because they've realized that resistance is futile, that they cannot control the environment, nothing they do matters so in order for their own safety and welfare they literally just have to shut down and check out because the level of stress is too high for them to keep going at all the time this is not something you want to do to any animal because a shutdown animal while they may be robotic and they may not fight you on things and you might be able to push them around easier they're not going to also work for you as well they'll also be harder to teach concepts to because they know that if they do the wrong thing they're at high risk of getting in trouble um The other thing is like honestly like the fact that people even for a second think that this is good training is stupid because like any caveman can go and freaking get a weapon a loaded gun and like hold people at gunpoint and make them do shit for them but it doesn't mean they've trained them anything it just means that you have something that's scary enough that the person or the creature is willing to just do what you want despite the fact that they don't want to because they're so afraid of what the outcome will be if they don't like i could walk into anyone's house with a fucking machine gun and get them to make me a sandwich and it doesn't mean I'm a good trainer it means that I'm a fucking piece of shit who scared someone so badly that they let me bully them into doing something that they did not want to do and were not comfortable doing and that's what people do to these horses when they're doing these tactics it is a negative mental state anyone listening to this if you're thinking in your head right now well oh my horse is different she's never trained a horse as difficult as mine I'm different this doesn't apply to me no There are equine behaviorists who have their doctorates who are scientists who study thousands of horses for studies as their job. Per study, they could be looking at large groups of horses just for a single study, and then those studies need to go get reviewed by other people before they eventually actually get published. So there's less room for bias because you're having tons of other qualified professionals review studies along with the people who conduct the studies having laid hands on and watched thousands and thousands of horses and studied them and looking at them through an educated eye on animal behavior without bias that is taught by uneducated people in the horse community because they're in a science discipline. And in the scientific industry, you actually have to have credentials and merit. You can't just go, I am an equine scientist. I'm going to now start conducting studies and get them published as scholarly articles after peer reviews. You can't do that. No one's going to let you do that if you have no education and relevant credentials. Whereas a horse trainer can just go, hey, I'm a horse trainer now, pay me and I'll take clients. And that's literally all you need to do to be a professional. There's no standard. There's no governing board to ensure people are qualified. There's no credentialing that you need to get before you can start taking clients. Yes, there's certifications you can get for training, but there is not an industry standard and most of the certifications you can get are very much focused on teaching people not horses all of the coaching certifications I've looked into focus on teaching people there's not anything in there about equine behavior there's a little bit of stuff about like tax safety and stuff like that but you're not learning about like correct behavior turns you're not learning about learning theory and how like the theory of how humans learn like the kids you're teaching or the humans you're teaching along with not learning how horses learn and that's a huge problem So, there's no reason why anyone should be so cocky and ignorant so as to think that they, as someone with absolutely no behavior education, no animal sciences education and with only practical experience no better than people who literally do practical training experience but also have the behaviour education and the hands-on education that comes with being part of studies and watching so many different areas of horses and being able to physically sit there and watch herds of horses in different settings and focus on the interactions and just learn more about how they behave. Even people that are in the behavior sector, if they're not someone who actually physically offers training, sessions, someone who has put a decade plus into learning about equine behavior and learning theory and just sitting there and watching horses in a herd all day is way more likely to actually understand how horses think and interact than someone who is a self-proclaimed trainer that looks at horses through their biased eyes every day, does not want to admit any faults in their care and management, and as such will look for any reason to describe why what they're doing isn't wrong. so this is my word of caution to you guys when you're looking for trainers if you have a trainer who won't explain themselves or who if you question them at all gets upset and defensive and can't really articulate why they want you to do something a certain way especially if it's something that you want to make them that that if they want you to do that makes you uncomfortable then that's your cue to run similarly trainers that bully the shit out of their students and demean their kids and stuff like that they're not using tactics that are conducive to learning like that there's a reason why when you go to teaching school they're never going to be like oh yeah just demean and talk down to your students make fun of them humiliate them and punish them for the wrong answer they don't tell you that because that's not how people learn well and i don't know why we have such a massive population of trainers that are teaching to do this to animals and the horse industry is so far behind other industries it's honestly so embarrassing because like The amount of shit that I see online that just makes my skin crawl, so many horse people will defend it, but if you show it to, like, literally anyone outside of the horse world, they're like, holy fuck, holy shit, this happens, this is normal, people can do this and nothing is done about it, I'm like, yes, unfortunately so, I don't understand how people have gotten to the point where they're this brainwashed, but here we are, um, I've had these conversations with like my boyfriend and his friends who know nothing about horses and they're fucking shocked. I talked to them about lip chains one time, their minds were blown. They didn't understand that these things were um, things. And even the concept of stalling horses all the time, people who aren't around horses for the most part, like you'll find some who think stalls are normal because of how it's depicted in movies and in the media. But for the most part, non-horse people can look at it and go, yeah, they're farm animals. They should probably have lots of space to run and not be trapped in a small box all the time and to them it's kind of a no-brainer but then to horse people we're so set in our ways and resistance to change that people will look at any other reason they can to justify why what they're doing is okay instead of looking and going like hey there's probably stuff that i could be doing better for my horses and i'm not perfect and it's okay if i can't do it as perfectly like best case scenario because nothing's perfect but you got to do the best you can and that kind of starts with being critical of yourself and actually wanting to learn and grow, which is really hard to do and it's really uncomfortable and I get it because like honestly with how like this is why it pisses me off with the lack of credentialing that trainers need before they can start taking students because it means that they can go and teach extremely biased materials to all of their students and teach people when they're new these things and basically create lifelong ideas that these riders then take with them everywhere and remain unchanged because they learned them when they were young and impressionable and no one ever really made them question it or anyone who did question it they viewed as less credible than their trainer and resisted it because honestly like there's really nothing scarier than having to look after you've put like years and years and years into practicing and trying to learn a craft and learn about horses and whatnot looking at that and go holy crap I've been taught how to do so many things wrong and now I essentially have to relearn everything that I was taught and I think a lot of people look at that idea and the thought of that scares them so much that they'd rather completely deny the fact that there's a problem and they'd rather continue just doing what they're doing, even if it's wrong, because the idea of having to start fresh is so scary. And I get it because I used to be one of those people. Like there's a lot of stuff that I used to discredit before that I don't now. Like I even used to make fun of target training not that long ago because I thought it was stupid and was like, yeah, for liberty stuff, that's great. But like, where is it practical? in like modern horse care and training and like i was wrong it's really useful for teaching things and redirecting nervous energy i was wrong but i was ignorant at the time and i didn't want to completely admit to things that made me uncomfortable because i was in the process of already having to question so much of what i had learned and so much of what i had done in the past that like adding on more to that was too much at the time so Here's the thing, like, I have a big issue with people who justify blatant abuse, like in the case of, like, people like Clinton Anderson and a lot of the really bad stuff we see on TikTok. But also, we do need to be somewhat patient for people within reason. Like, if they're actively abusing horses, I don't think we need to coddle them. I think that people should be made uncomfortable in that standpoint because hopefully the discomfort and social pressure will be what pushes the change. But generally speaking, like if people are making an effort to learn, but they're not fully there yet, I don't think we need to get this really rigid my way or the highway, like you have to be 100% there or not at all type idea and like really start being hypercritical of people. I think that part's wrong because it makes them go like, what's the point in even starting to learn these things if I'll never be accepted by people perpetuating science based methods unless I'm all the way there. So what I mean by this is if someone's starting to try to experiment with like positive reinforcement and like using less punishment or at least even even just learning about the pitfalls of punishment and why it's bad and why it's discouraged I don't think we should really micromanage them and like you should encourage the education the desire to look into things without being like oh but like this this and this you're still behind on um, if you know what I'm saying and like Again, within reason. If someone's coming onto your post and, like, loudly saying stuff that's just factually incorrect, they deserve to be corrected. I don't think that it is anyone's job to coddle someone and just smile and nod and be like okay yes your misinformed opinion is totally as valid as my educated science-backed viewpoint no we're not going to coddle people like that if there's a lot of information on one side and they're talking completely based off of anecdotes it does not and will not ever hold as much merit as research information and yes science can change as we learn more but anecdotes will never hold weight to the research stuff that we have currently and that's something that we need to make clear to people is you're you're technically entitled to your own opinion but if you're loudly completely discrediting science and just basing it off of your personal opinion and trying to talk over top of people who've put decades into their education and have their doctorates i think that's wrong Um, No one needs to condone people who do that because you're just perpetuating ignorance. It's kind of the same concept of people that are anti-vax and will literally look doctors in the eye and be like, oh, well, you're wrong. No, we don't need to coddle them. It's not you're everyone's we can agree to disagree. No, we're not agreeing to disagree when one side is just factually incorrect. Someone is refuting science. They're rejecting information. That's what agreeing to disagree is when someone is just misinformed and spreading misinformation. And there's obviously nicer ways to say that and kind of just put them in place about like being like, oh, well, like that's wrong. But like like you could the the easiest way to do it without making them feel as defensive is to just be like, okay, like if that's how you feel, can you send me some peer reviewed articles on your side of things so that I can see? Um, because like my stance has a lot of peer-reviewed articles and a lot of people will still get defensive and pissy about that but that's probably one of the better ways of than just being like oh you're just wrong however when people are belligerent and condescending to me i just respond with a similar tone especially if they're adults but I mean, it's hard to be nice all the time when you have ignorant people loudly emphasizing their ignorance while trying to act like you're the stupid one when you know you're more educated and they're infuriating to deal with. But some people truly will never change because they care more about themselves than they do about the truth or how their actions affect anyone else. So all we can do is work on the salvageable people. Not all of the people are going to get there, but if enough of the horse world experiences growth and starts to modernize, then that's where you'll be able to have those people who are so belligerent that they'll never change they'll be pressured into changing by default because there's going to be the money incentive if they're a trainer because people will stop wanting to train with them when they realize that there's better easier ways to do things and also just like getting bad backlash will backfire on them so there's stuff that can be done and it's like a we're, we're a long ways away from really getting there but it's gotten a lot better the last few years so the next thing i also want to talk about is that like people who reject science-based training methods very frequently will go at it from the standpoint of like oh you can't just like cuddle and feed your horse treats to train it and it's like well yeah like you can't just do that if you're not using it in a training um environment you know like if i just walked out to the field hugged my horse and fed him a treat he's not going to magically know how to like follow the target or be calm in high stress situations But there's way you can ways you can use food and rewards to get what you want. And people that choose to oversimplify that practice and just act like people are willy-nilly feeding treats and rewarding bad behaviors. They're doing it in such an ignorant way. And it also fails to acknowledge the fact that like like these trainers that like really are harsh on horses, there's almost like this macho weird aspect to it where they're like, I'm so tough because I put my horse in my place by like chasing him across a fucking kilometer length of arena while he violently backs up and I chase him with a whip and a plastic bag to desensitize him and when he finally stopped lathered in sweat and heaving I was able to touch him with the bag so now he's desensitized and it's like no you literally just did the equivalent of someone running down their toddler who's afraid of spiders tackling it and fucking dumping a Tupperware bin of spiders on it that's the equivalent of that that's not that but there's this weird macho thing where they think it's cool and it makes them big and powerful and a better trainer because they can work with these dangerous horses and fight them into their into submission and it's like you're not cool though you want to know who the cool people are the ones working with like hyenas tigers lions panthers animals that are actual predators that are way more likely to have an aggressive response as a result that you can't fuck with If you went into a tiger enclosure and fucking brought in your little plastic bag and started chasing down the tiger with it, how well do you think that would go? At some point, you would probably get mauled to death. There is a reason why rewards-based training is used so heavily in zoos, because you can't frickin' bully big predators into submission. You can do it with horses because they're flight animals and they're generally not aggressive animals, and they're very, very likely to just submit. And of course, not all horses are like this. We do have ho- horses who are fighters, but even if the horses who are fighters, trying to get them to submit through more aggression is stupid. Fighting aggression with more aggression is dumb. You're literally no better than the horse that you're complaining about if you think that the way to fix a horse who is afraid enough of you to want to attack you, which is unusual for a flight animal, since as a flight animal by nature, their go-to thing is to increase distance between them and whatever they're scared of or uncomfortable um, with or anything. So if one is aggressive, something has gone very, very wrong anyways, but like fighting aggression with aggression makes no sense. What does make sense if you want to keep yourself safe and mitigate risk of injury is to use a barrier method to start working with them. So if a horse is going to try to run you down and kick you in the head or clock you over in the field or the stall, you could start working with them with the gate between you so they can't get at you. And then you reward the quiet, non-aggressive behaviors. And from there, you shape them to not being aggressive. When you punish the aggressive behaviors, all you're saying is don't do that singular behavior, which could be biting. If you slap them on the nose for biting, you're saying don't bite, but you're not addressing why they're biting, which could be because they're afraid of you. Could be because they've had a reason to be upset with people, probably because they get punished for everything and they're fucking frustrated. Um, But... What I'm getting at is that like if you address the cause of the behavior, you'll get further no matter what, regardless of what method you choose to adopt, whether it's negative reinforcement or positive reinforcement or even if you use punishment and so on and so forth. If you're actually looking into the reasons behind why they're expressing a behavior, you'll get further ahead because there's always a motivation behind a behavior. Behind every behavior, there's always an underlying motivation and it doesn't always have to be something severe like, oh, this horse is really depressed and upset or this horse isn't getting its needs met. It can could be simple things like oh the horse in this specific setting is more nervous or the horse had a day where they had triggers stack and when you brought them out of the field they were already at a pretty high threshold without you realizing and then one more thing happens and it's like the straw that broke the camel's back and that's where you get the reaction and you will see people who have horses that do things like this and they'll be like this stupid horse he just did this out of nowhere but it's never out of nowhere you've you've either taught your horse to mask communication by punishing them too much or you've just not been paying attention and you're not educated enough on recognizing subtle cues and that doesn't mean you're a bad horse person it just means you could be a better one if you put more effort in that direction to learn those things um so like oh I lost my train of thought (laughs) but um it's it's not a weakness to want to be safer and learn new things like Fighting with horses and using high pressure and punishment-based methods made me so at risk and unsafe in training. I had the worst horses to deal with and it was so much more frustrating for me. I was in sketchy situations way more often and now even though I'm working with technically more dangerous horses because I get more problem horses now because the problem horses are the ones where generally speaking like someone along the way has tried to send them to like a traditional training method and it hasn't worked. So then people who might not really like the idea of using food rewards in training, they're willing to try it because it's kind of like their last chance. And these types of horses would either completely regress with someone aggressive or they'd like try to kill the trainers. So they have to go take all pressure off to work with the horses. So I get these horses who are essentially from the reject pile and have had lots of problems and a history of trauma but I'm safer simply because of how I go about starting them. It's not about slapping tack on as quickly as you can, and then getting on so that you get this big bronc response that you can take and go flex on TikTok and be like, Oh, LOL. I had a wild colt today for his first ride. And it's like, no, you didn't. You had a colt that you didn't fucking prepare. And he had a reaction as a result. And, the thing that bothers me so much about people saying that horses react out of nowhere or that they're stupid if they react a certain way, like I've seen people justify hard tying and be like, oh, well, if the horse is stupid enough to pull back and break their neck, then they don't deserve to live. And it's like, are you serious? You're saying the horse is stupid because they freak out when they can't escape. Sorry, that's my alarm. When they freak out because they can't escape as a flight animal, you're saying they're stupid, but then you as the human with the actual bigger brain who should be smarter is so stupid that you can't think of a safer, better training method that the horse could understand better and that you refuse to change your ways or consider other methods. Like, who's the stupid one there? The person using caveman tactics that are thoroughly rejected by science based off of the amount of behavioral fallout that they can cause and the high risk of injury to the horse or human, or the horse who is reacting exactly how it should as a flight animal. The human's the dumb one. As a human, you should be able to think through training methods well enough to try to set your animal up for success. And people aren't perfect. You will make mistakes. No matter how educated someone is, they're not always going to have perfect training sessions. You can miss things. People have bad days. If you have a particularly hard day mentally and you go out and you work with your horse, you're probably more likely to have a bad session because you're not in the headspace to work with it right and the horse feels that. But that doesn't mean that you're a bad trainer. Everyone can have bad sessions. It's how you react to those sessions and how you handle it that really matters. Um, But I find it so frustrating that people will... Literally expect more from the horse than they do from themselves. Like they don't hold themselves accountable for their mistakes. When you prepare a horse so poorly that it explodes when you're introducing a saddle for the first time or when you get on, they blame the horse. And it's like, no, you didn't prepare the horse well. You can see long before the rider gets on in those videos that the horse is tense, their head is high, their ears are back, their eyes are wide. The horse is clearly expressing the fact that they're not okay with it yet. But the rider gets on anyways and has a big reaction and then blames the horse. And it's silly because these trainers think highly of themselves they insult the horses and blame everything on the horse and say that the horses are stupid but then they fail to realize how stupid their methodology is and how foolish it is as a trainer to put the entire blame on the animal as the learner and hold them accountable for their lack of ability to understand but not see how that reflects to you as a trainer. If you're not able to make something clear to your learner, to your horse, so that they can understand it and keep themselves safe, that means you're not a good trainer. It shouldn't be a one-size-fits-all approach where you expect the horse to yield to the exact method that you like to use and refuse to sway away from that. And if they don't, and if they have a bad reaction and they freak out, you just blame the horse, that's bad training. Training adjusts to the learner. And if the learner is struggling to learn or is in a high state of stress, that means you're not doing your job well because the higher the stress level the less able they are to retain information the same applies to humans if you have high levels of cortisol and you're in like fight or flight mode you're not actively learning you can't the lower the stress level the better you'll learn like for learning there's like a moderate level of stress but it's like exercised induced stress like if I go for a run technically my body would be under stress but it doesn't mean that I'm actively panicking if you know what I mean And if your horse is actively panicking and that scared, they're not retaining all the information they could be, which means you've put all this work into a training session that's not going to have the same level of efficacy because you were so bad at keeping the horse quiet. And like flight reactions happen. Sometimes we can't prevent stuff from happening, but generally speaking, the types of videos that I'm talking about are very, very preventable, very, very preventable even in less than ideal circumstances, because I don't always get the exact right tools to work with horses in the best way that I can, because it's very much dependent on like the property that they live on um, to be able to make things easier and like their management style and living style. If I'm working with a horse who stalled 24 seven, I'm not going to be doing my best work because I'm working with a horse who comes out and is so up from not being able to self-exercise that there's like that period of time where they're not thinking they're in like fight or flight mode and they're so reactive because they're so full of piss and vinegar that they can't think it's not going to be one of my best sessions but that's also not something I can really help if I don't have control over their management but basically all I am getting at is the fact that like it is so fucked up that it's so normal for trainers to blame the horse for the horse's inability to learn with a rigid training style that often gives them very limited information, very limited chances, is high punishment, high pressure based and scary and then when the horse can't handle it they're like oh what a shitty horse and it's like no you're a shitty trainer. A good trainer should be able to bring the best out of even a quote-unquote shitty horse. I've had a lot of, quote, shitty horses, like ones that have gotten from the auction for pennies or Milo from the SPCA, and they're horses that people could have destroyed if they'd been too rough on them. And They're not bad horses. They're very good horses. Like the amount of things Milo can do that other horses who people value more and view as more oppressive can't do is pretty strong. He might not jump a meter 60, but how many meter 60 horses do you know that can go out on trails bridalists and go galloping on the beach bridalists, go gallop on a racetrack bridalists and actually be in control? How many horses that compete in Grand Prix dressage do you know that can actually keep it together on a trail ride that load really well without being nervous that you can do liberty work with that don't bite you when you're tacking them up that actually want to be with people you know what i'm saying like it's a different type of strength but it's messed up when people value the show aspect of things above like the welfare and like how the horse perceives things because like honestly the most of the top show jumping horses are ridden in pretty extensive bidding get-ups there's no fucking way they could ride the bridalists not even in an arena And the ones that can are few and far between. But, like, there's different strengths that horses have. And honestly, you can force horses to do a lot of things through harsh training methods. And it doesn't really make it impressive. Like, anyone can bully a horse into submission anyone with fucking no brain cells and a desire to die can wear a cowboy hat lay a horse down then saddle it sit on it and sit there while at bronx and just hold on tight and hope that they don't fall off and crack their head open anyone can do stuff like that it takes very little skill it just takes brute power and a lack of fear for death that's all it takes The amount of skill it takes to actually read behavior signals, de-escalate anxiety so you don't get those big reactions and to do the proper prep work for desensitization to try to avoid those reactions. It takes patience. It takes empathy. It takes actually watching and reading the horse and communicating and not having it be one-sided. That actually takes skill and talent. So for those of you that listen to these podcasts, I want to be clear to you that like any one of you who is making an effort to listen to your horse and noticing things day to day where you might go there even if it's not your horse even if it's a lesson horse and you go oh sally was behaving differently today and then you look you you look into the behavior and you go hmm i wonder why she was doing that today and then you try to explore that and even if you don't get to the answer just thinking that and wondering what the motivation behind certain behaviors is puts you ahead of a lot of trainers that people view as some of the top in the industry because they don't consider the why behind behaviors which means that a lot of these trainers are actively gagging their horse from communicating pain discomfort fear, stress, and so on and so forth. And the sad thing is that this can lead to people completely riding the shit out of their horse to the point where it's broken and not realizing that the whole time the horse is in pain. And frankly, this is one of my worst nightmares because it's one of those things where you very well could not find out about these things until after the death of the horse. And can you imagine how horrible it would be to lose your heart horse, get a necropsy, and then find out that the reason why they'd been so agitated doing one thing is because they had this horrible ailment under the surface that you couldn't see that they were consistently trying to tell you about that was ignored and that's one of my worst nightmares like i spend so much unnecessary money money on vet workups and stuff over little things because that's what i fear and like the more i've gotten into echoing behavior the more uncomfortable that aspect of things has gotten because i'm always wondering about underlying problems and it's difficult to kind of talk to clients and get them on the same page as me um, depending on like how much diagnostics would cost and stuff. And there's also this big resistance to like the idea that behaviors could have, um, a physical reason behind it and not just be like a behavioral issue. So that makes it difficult. And yeah, like, I just wanted to say that for for those of you, you don't have to be a trainer to just be looking at your horse and watching them and trying to like communicate with them understand what's normal for them and listen to you when they tell you things even if it's something that's not nice you know like if your horse bites you one day when you touch it somewhere you could slap it in the face and say bad horse or you could go hey like he bit me when i touched his third rib maybe his ribs are bruised and maybe he's sore or hey when i did up the saddle my horse tried to take a chunk out of my bicep they probably have ulcers or maybe i should get my saddle fit it's very easy to just like spur of the moment like f- quick reaction whack your horse in the mouth when they do something like that to try to discipline away the behavior but it doesn't fix the cause of it and it means that you're just telling the horse like sorry you don't get to have an opinion you don't get to communicate with me i'm not going to listen to you my way or the highway and it's also super egotistical to think that as a human when you cannot feel anything that the horse feels physically emotionally mentally that you know better than the horse does about how they are feeling and that you know better than the horse does if they're in pain or not That's why we need to not try to gag those responses by punishing them away. And this isn't me trying to guilt trip people forever using punishment. If you're in a dangerous circumstance, do what you got to do. But as a regular means of training, punishment is a problem because it teaches riders to not consider the why behind a behavior and to just spur the moment, punish the horse for it and not otherwise deal with the behavior. And that's the issue that I have with this type of training. And I say this as someone who actively used those methods for long periods of time. I used to not know any other way to stop a horse from biting other than slapping its muzzle. I literally had no idea because I was never taught it. And I went into horses, absolutely loving horses. Like they were my passion. I was obsessed with them. I'd play with briar horses and stuffed horses and stuff when I couldn't be around the real ones. I loved them i loved them to death i never would have wanted to hurt them but it was so normalized to me that i started to tune it out and it was years before i ever really questioned that it was really getting milo that was like a big wake-up call to me because he's not a horse that could bully and it could have gone either way i could have been one of the types of people who would get a horse like him and be like oh he needs an attitude adjustment let's go send him to a cowboy and i could have ruined my horse for life if i'd done something like that um so i know a lot of people online might think i'm loud spoken think i'm a know-it-all and like annoying and over the top tree hugger and so on and so forth but really all i'm trying to do is prevent people from making the same mistakes i did for as long or making a horrible mistake where you make a spur of the moment decision to send your horse to a trainer who's going to really mistreat that horse and potentially do unfixable damage in the sense that your horse may never return to being emotionally the same or mentally the same after it can be very hard to completely undo trauma and yes there's a lot of stuff you can do to fix problem behaviors in horses but sometimes after a certain point you're not going to get back the horse you did if they've underwent a ton of punishment they may never return to the curious like fun playful minded horse that they were in their youth if they're consistently punished The last thing I'm going to touch on regarding biting behaviors is that horses do not have hands, as I'm sure you know. Their mouth and their muzzle is like what our hands are like. Their whiskers are kind of like the fingertips and they can like see and touch things from far away, which is why you shouldn't shave them. And they help them just kind of take in information of the environment. And then their lips are like their hands they can play with and manipulate things with their lips. Um, I don't agree with people disciplining their horses for being like mouthy if it's polite mouthiness and even for like if they bite you I think there's better ways of handling it than hitting them because it doesn't really teach them what you want them to do Um, but I think horses should be allowed to explore things with their mouths it's their hands can you imagine if someone just cut your hands off and was like sorry you can't touch anyone oh sorry you can't do that don't don't investigate anything close your eyes all the time don't even look at it you're gagged you can't do anything That's what people do to their horses. Let your horse be curious. Let your horse interact with you. If they're doing it in too much of a pushy way or not a healthy way, not a safe way, then teach them what the safe way to do it is. But let them interact with you. Their mouths are their hands. They shouldn't be taught that they can never interact or manipulate the environment. And horses that are taught this are the ones that like never show interest in toys and other stuff. And generally are less fun to deal with because they're less interactive and less outspoken with their personality and we gag so much of the horse's personality through punishment and through thinking we need to dominate them and be the boss and trying to justify roughness based off of like oh if a horse kicked them it would be way harder which might be true but we're not a horse go look up how small a horse's brain is compare it to yours and if you think the horse is smarter than you then by all means keep training and justifying it based off of what horses do But I would like to think you're smarter than a horse, even if you make stupid decisions. So I would really like to see people doing the right thing and not trying to be a horse (laughs) because you're smarter than that. You're more clever. You're more crafty. You don't need to justify abuse based off of what horses may or may not do to each other in the field. And like I said, horses very rarely are connecting with each other. And when they do, it's a warning. It's not going to be like a full fully extended kick most of the time that's less common they're not actively fighting with each other all the time and since they're horses and they have such subtle body language there's more communication and it's more clear to them because they're the same species they can communicate better you will never be able to be perceived like a horse because you are not one so don't train like one you're not a horse okay Thank you guys for tuning into my podcast um, and for all the support. I really appreciate it. Um, I'm going to try to start doing these more frequently soon. I've been super busy with a lot of stuff related to my business with the bridles, the saddle pads, Christmas releases, and so on and so forth. There's a lot of new stuff that's dropping in my store. So I highly recommend checking that out soon and just staying tuned for everything. Um, But I'm hoping to have more time coming up soon. It's just been really, really crazy. So I appreciate all the support. Thank you everyone. Don't forget to like, and subscribe to my YouTube channel, follow the podcast, download it, share it, you know, all that jazz supporting me. And I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Bye.